They said it couldn't be done. But they said it shouldn't be done. But here we are with the Pottoms of Big Beer Show. Be there. there Sunday, are. Sunday, yes, Sunday. This is Fred, the grassy troll, coming at you with Epi 13. Across the table from me, as usual, is my good buddy, Blato. Hello, hello, hello. Off to my right is the man with the plan. The Knob Tweaker, Mr. Knobs, how you doing? Good. And welcome back. Thank you. You missed 12.5, we missed you, but th- that's life. Yep. So. It's trending to be a very positive, uh, a very popular yes. uh, so. podcast, so and we won't hold that against you. <laughs> and we have a extra special guest tonight who's going to help us with the libation station and uh, help everybody understand beer why we drink it, how we drink it, and uh, he's going to come forth with a bunch of knowledge and inspiration and all that good stuff. So, say hello, Jeezy. This is hello, Jeezy, Jeezy, our good buddy Jeezy. How's it going? Good. Good, good. Glad to be here. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. Always willing to talk about beer as well as drink some. All right. And this uh, this show was tailor made for you, and, and actually, it really Perfectly was aligned. tailor made for you. <laughs> um, we, I, I think, we should uh, maybe stipulate right up front for those listeners that thought they were tuning in to hear some hot takes on politics uh, from Knobs, Fred, and myself. Um, that's on hold this week. Mm, um, vacation, um, because we thought that you know beer is a big part of our podcast. And uh, we've been learning as we've been, been going. Um, we've had some suggestions from our audience about different things that we could be doing with our beer tasting. But we really thought it deserved its own show and something that we can take away and you can take away um, as we continue to podcast into the future. So that's kind of what this is about. Um, wasn't like there was anything... Uh, you know, that it was a slow week in politics again. (laughs) Nothing pressing today. (laughs) Um, But we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that next week again. Yeah. Well, just just to give you an idea of what we're not talking about today was the (laughs) Whitaker in front of Congress today Uh, under oath. And uh, what else was the big story? uh, Well, is it politics or is it culture? The the, the Bezos blackmail? (laughs) (laughs) So we have thoughts about that, but we're going to leave that behind for a week and uh, just simply enjoy some beer with some good friends. Um, but as usual, I'm sure, Grassy, there was something on the uh, on the interweb that you wanted to share with uh, with everyone if they haven't seen a particular viral meme or whatnot. Yeah, I found a little humorous one. Um, it looks like a old like children's fairy tale and a book and it was called the boy who cried caravan by donald the liar i don't know if you saw this one blotto uh oh the artwork is fabulous that's great it's a picture of the presidents as a little sheep herder with a with a lamb so anyways it's more visual it's funny nice knickers and you uh you know, I, I I never thought I would ever give a shout out to Ann Coulter on Pottoms Up, okay. but she had a tweet this week that really just slayed me. And you know, I'll be happy to talk about how 
you know, disgusting she is, uh, other times, but uh, she tweeted, um, how long until Governor Northam's defense morphs into, okay, sure, that was me in the Klan hood, but at least I wasn't wearing a MAGA hat. <laughs> Excellent. There, there's there's several swipes in there, right? So I I, I, I got to give her some some kudos on uh, on that particular tweet. It, it did make me laugh. Very good. All right. Very good. So I'm gonna just real quickly try and set up what we got going on here. Yeah. And paint um, that mental picture. And then uh, we're gonna let. GZ kind of take it from there. We'll pepper him with questions, and um, we'll just start drinking beer because I'm thirsty, and I've got four really terrific-looking libations in front of me. They're just sitting there getting warm. Yeah, so what we decided to do, uh, normally we do the two beers, um, you know, one at the beginning of the show and one at break. Um, But for real beer tasting, especially when we have an expert with us, we thought we would do a flight. So each of us have a variety of four beers in front of us. and um, well, why don't we just sort of go through them, right, and talk about the beers first, and uh, and then we'll. So, um, you know, I, I'll go with what I contributed. We each contributed different uh, different things to the table. Uh, I contributed a Latitude Forty Two Breakfast Porter. Um, I don't believe we have had a Latitude Forty Two. Nope. Um, it's a new one. Uh, you know, uh, reviewed yet? Where are they from? Uh, take- South of Kalamazoo in. <laughs> What's the little town? A Comstock or something? No. Uh, All right. Carry uh, on. And then yeah, um, I'll see if I can find it. Uh, Nobs, what did what did you uh, what did you bring to the table? Uh, I brought a returning favorite, uh, Dragon Mead. Okay. And I brought a under the kilt Scottish style ale. All right. Uh, any stats on that one? Uh, this one clocks in at seven point eight, I believe. Yours was eight point four. Uh, okay, so a seven point eight low man on the uh, seven seven point eight is kissing the sister tonight. <laughs> yes, spoiler alert, that's low tonight. <laughs> Your sister's looking good to me. And it's a it's a Scottish ale, right? Yep. And uh, that's the one that we put in what we're calling our pint, correct? Yes. Yep. Okay. And then the porter is in the goblet. And uh, GZ, what do you have? I brought a vintage beer. Oh. Not a lot of beers are suitable for aging. This one was one of the ones. Um, it's a 2016 vintage a Griffin Claw bourbon-aged Imperial Screaming Pumpkin. Oh. They, uh, they, it clocks in at 9% ABV. Yeah, buddy. Um, Screaming Pumpkin is one of their regular annual... Uh, so like fall, fall, se- fall seasonals, um, very nicely done. This is an imperial version that uh, is higher ABV and a little bit uh, more full and aggressive in flavor. Uh, bourbon barrel aged. Uh, it's all it's it's only thirteen IBUs. Always appreciate when the uh, brewers put that on the label. Mm-hmm. So it's not a very hoppy beer, correct? Um, which is the type that, that that I enjoy more so I'm looking forward to, to having that and uh, and then uh, Fred what do you got I bought a bells from Comstock Michigan it's called a lampshade party ale and that is why I bought this <laughs> <laughs> the, the, na- label. the label is amazing the label. guys got a yeah. 
It's He's got a lampshade on his head and his girlfriend. And it's a vintage photograph. It, yeah. I, I wonder a, if they staged it with CPS a sock a, yes. gartery. Sock I actually owned sock garters when I was in the Air Force. They're no fun. <laughs> Anyways. Well, you weren't wearing them in front of the right company. Did you, oh, yeah, did that's your, true. Did, you, did your buddies all snap that garter for you? Not if I could help it. <laughs> Anyways, um, this is a double India IPA. And um, let's see, this comes in at 9.0 on the alcohol level, and I don't see any bitterness count, so. But we know it is, because it's a double IP. Yes, it's good. They don't even bother putting a number on there. <laughs> yeah, it's off the charts. It's, 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 a, it's off the charts. When it hits 100, it stops. Yeah. <laughs> that's the end of the scale. Well, this is a yummy selection, that's for sure. All right, so, Jeezy, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and 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 what you've done uh, to, to learn about beer. Okay. Uh, Other I, than drink it, because yeah, we're all qualified in that. That's way. a given. Yeah. Um, well, I've, I've, similar to, to you guys in your history, I've known Fred and Blotto for uh, many years, uh, since basically from high school. Yep. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, so Five or six long, years ago. Long, yeah, long history. <laughs> uh Familiar with knobs? Uh, like I said, I don't think we've actually met before, but I've seen you at, uh, at uh, musical events and things. Yep, been at gatherings. Um, I started really seriously appreciating the beers beyond the general macro lager style of of Molson Canadian and Golden and Labatt's Blue and Stroh's. Notice uh, the Canadian references there first. Yeah. No. Not Budweiser, Strohs, and Miller Lite first. Nope. Why is that? Um, I just like that beer. No, because you're from north of the border. <laughs> no, 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 no. Born there, but raised here. I just, mm -hmm. you know, I just like those beers better. You know, that suited my palate better mm -hmm. at the time. Um, but, uh, yeah, back in the mid-'80s when I moved to Seattle, I had the opportunity to be in an area where the the good up-and-coming craft brewers were a lot more common than they were in Michigan. So you were ahead of the curve is what you're saying. I was I was right at the at the beginning of it all. Not at the very beginning, but right near the beginning of it, yes. That's when I started uh, searching out and trying as many different kinds of domestic craft beers as I could. Because there were still a lot of really good imported European beers that uh, had a lot of flavor and a lot of character that beat up mm -hmm. the domestic products right. at the time. Uh, and uh, back in the day, there weren't so many in Michigan outside of the international uh, imports. But uh, yeah, so in in, uh, in Seattle, I got to have a lot of good beer. The Red Hooks, the Widmers, the Hales Ales. Uh, some of the other um, products from that region. Sierra Nevada was big in in uh, Seattle. But to be fair, I drank cases and cases and cases of Henry <laughs> Weinhardt's Private Reserve, which was a, uh, actually a really good regional, you know, uh, American pale lager style beer. So, but I had a lot of ha I had a lot of that as well. Uh, uh, did you? Did you? Um, jump right into the craft beers in like as as a trend or did you really enjoy them right off the bat because for myself 
I, I would say it was, you know, it has been an acquired taste later in life, and certainly the craft brew industry, as it's grown, my tastes have grown with it. Um, you know, I, I went to school in Kalamazoo, birthplace of Bells, and we used to frequent a, um, a bar there that was the only uh, bar that served uh, Bells by the keg. So he was making about 37 kegs a year, and 30 of them went to a, a little place called uh, Hobie's, I believe is the name of it. I could drink, uh, my friend was a bartender, so we could drink as much as we wanted. <laughs> I didn't drink Bells because I didn't really appreciate that that extra flavor. Mm-hmm. You, you know, uh, you know I, I was Stroh's drinker primarily at the time. And um, so it, it for me... The craft brew and the more flavorful beers and all the different variety of beers came much later in life. Would you say that it was easy for you to to kind of get onto that wagon, or did you also have to develop some? You know, I don't think there was much of a learning curve or a or a development of palate at that time. I was able to step up to just about any beer that I had any interest in trying mm-hmm. and appreciate it to a certain degree. Uh, as far as d- daily drinkers, lighter beers still tended to be the norm, like the yeah. Weinhardt's, yeah. right? Uh, but uh, I, I tried a lot of different beers, and I had a lot of beers in the house, a lot of different styles all the time, so yeah. basically as soon as I started. See, like, like our resident... Millennial here, okay. He's he, you were raised with craft beers, basically, right? I mean, since uh, you've been able to funny story about that legally legally drink craft beers have been yeah in 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 you know I was large availability. I was die hard against beer for my first few years, hmm. and actually started off with um, Fireball. <laughs> <laughs> story for another day. <laughs> no, I like I didn't really get into beer until we were sitting in a little. Trashy dive bar, and it was five dollar pitchers of Bud Light, and you know we each throw in five dollars and go around the table, and then from there just kind of gradually expanded my horizons. But so yeah, started light and and flavorless. Yes, <laughs> and built and <laughs> but, built from there. But the craft beers, you you, you knew of, of them, and they were around. You know, yeah, you, you I, know, I, it was I still prevalent. Was, is is kind of what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, I would say it. Not that it's so much a craft beer anymore, but like the Sam Adams Cherry Wheat would probably be like the first intro to non-water beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, beer can have flavor. And from there you just... Imagine that. You just find other stuff. <clears throat> Fred, anything you want to share about your... Uh, uh, I don't know whether it's a ascension or your um, addiction. What <laughs> your, However you want to classify your... Your love now of, of, of so many different types of beers. Well, actually, my real introduction to craft beer, I owe to Blotto and... Uh, oh, hey. Someone you were living with. Oh, the Dill. And you guys were going to um, BWs all the time. You guys were walking downtown Mount Clemens mm-hmm. and going to BWs. You guys were ordering up... Um, the Belgian wheat with the orange in it. Oh, yeah. Um, Blue Moon. Blue Moon, right. Blue Moon was actually, I think, my real first foray into a craft beer. 
And it did, I, I especially loved the orange slice. I had never seen it. And so... So you were the latest of the game here. I absolutely am. Ah. I, I, I was still pretty much doing the, the blue Labatt's blue. I was sticking with the Canadians because yeah. I liked them. But... You know, Stroh's when you could get it, but not so much because it wasn't like the old Stroh's, so yeah. it's, it's novel. But yeah, that was my introduction to that point, and I'd never tasted a beer with like that much flavor and texture, and it's not that Blue Moon is over the moon, it's just it was so different from the, the standard right, yeah. American the, the or the color, Canadian. The color, the aroma, the, yeah. the flavor, the aftertaste, all of that and was different. That's actually where I got hooked on it, and that's when I... I, I started going down that path, and, and I really haven't looked back, except for, you know, I'd have the Strohs or the Coors Light in the fridge in the garage when I was cutting the lawn because you can't do Blue Moon while you're cutting the lawn. But besides that, <laughs> I, 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 was, why I, was, I, don't know, I don't know why I'm just nodding that's, my head. That's yeah. my light beer yeah. <laughs> for lawn cutting. But I, I was off, like, to, long story short, I was off like a rocket from that point, and, and I actually owe that to you guys. Oh, wow. Cool. Okay. I didn't know it's that. interesting. I never. I didn't think about where I started. It took me a second. I had to find the right post. Well, I actually don't remember where I started because I was drinking Bell's when it first came out, but I didn't like it. <laughs> and uh, a pioneer, I, I, he just didn't like being right, a pioneer. So, know it at so, the time. So then there was the gap between leaving Kalamazoo and you know now, right? And and so how long ago it was? I was I was starting to to try different beers. Um, it probably wasn't much before, you know, um, what you were talking about. When I was living in Chicago, was I drinking craft beers? I just don't think so. I, so, you know, that would have been, uh, 2006 when I, when I moved back to Michigan. Mm. All right. Okay. So, uh, uh, GZ, um, you, uh, so Seattle kind of put you on the track, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what made you decide to run with it then, right? Once you got on that track, what happened? Well, it's, uh, it, I've been a, a fan for a long time, and as any of you guys know me, I'm uh, an avid learner. I, uh, uh, it's a bad day when I don't learn something new, so... Uh, Great motto, if that's your motto. <laughs> yep, and it was... Uh, it when that's your buzz. <laughs> when, I first, when I first heard about uh, the certification program... Um, there's actually two. I can get into that later if you're interested. But uh, there's an organization out of Chicago started by a very illustrious member of the beer uh, world named Ray Daniels. He was formerly with the Brewers Association. He's an author of a number of uh, beer style related books and so on. And when he would go into a bar, tap room, brewery, and get poor information from the server and sometimes poor quality beer and generally a non-beer clean glass he was always frustrated at that experience and he came up with the certification program to educate the professionals mm -hmm. in the business on the right way to do beer uh, so he he formed what is it what is the certifi certification call? What? It, the organization is called um, the Cicerone Organization, C-I-C-E-R-O-N-E. -E. It's, it's an old English term for museum guide or docent. Docent, yeah, right. My yep. sister is a docent, yep. yeah. So this is an old school English word it, focused on education and guidance. 
you know the the, the doset and the other one that comes up when I tell people about you and us doing the show was of course the Sumier. Yep. So I, on the I, and side, I, yep. Yeah, yep. and I've, I've said, well, I, I think that's kind of what we're talking about here. Can can we uh, do a bottoms up? Because I'm getting parched. Yes. Okay. Yes, we can. Yeah, we're here to drink the beer. Bottoms right? up. So I'm I'm starting with the wee heavy because it is likely to have the bottoms up guys. lightest flavor profile of all of them. So what are we looking for with this one? Um, this is give a, us a heads up for a, this is a very rich, no very rich malt forward style of beer. It's likely to be in the you know sub twenty IBU yeah. range mm-hmm. or lower. Uh, it is not a hoppy beer, and the reality was. Scotland didn't grow hops, and it was expensive to import, and that's why this style of beer is hmm, on hops. the low hop side. Oh, that's yeah, history lesson. Interesting too. background. Uh, but you—he's forcing us to learn. I protest. <laughs> um, but you said we'd start with this one because it would have the. What, what, how did you describe it? The the most mild taste, and, not and that the, it's mild flavored. Right. So, I, and I that kind of jumped out at me because I always think of. You know, to me, flavor kind of starts with stout, porter, ale, amber ale, you know, brown ale, amber ale. Um, and, you know, that I, I, I equate color oftentimes just to, um, but I kind of see what you're saying about this beer. It, it, it's not a slap in the face porter, is it? I mean, no, the can color? is much more slappy in the face. <laughs> color, and but that's not the can one. This is the Dragon Mead Scotch Ale. Oh, the, oh, sorry. That's right. Okay. Yep. See, because and so in the context, in the context of this kind of a tasting of this kind of a flight, start with the 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 lighter flavors. Okay. And color is irrelevant. Um, one of my favorite beers is Guinness Irish Stout. Mm-hmm. Nice and rich and inky dark. It's a diet beer, literally. <laughs> it's light flavor, <laughs> low alcohol, and low calorie. Yeah. It is a diet beer. But you don't think that way. But you don't think of it looking at this inky, dark black beer, which Mm. is Guinness Irish Stout, right? Um, So the the Wee Heavy is all malt, little hops, no additional flavor. So it really is named correctly as a Wee Heavy because it's just a Wee Heavy. Yep, yep, the Scotch Ale, yep. That's a synonym as well as I think the product name. No, no, it's under the kilt. Their style is we heavier scotch ale. Um, oh, oh, under the kilt is what it's called. Yeah. Um, so the other, in the, to put it in the context of the other three beers, we have a breakfast porter that has um, coconut, cocoa, and coffee, fairly robust flavors. We have a bourbon barrel imperial spiced pumpkin ale, Fairly significant flavors. And we have a double IPA, which is going to be rich, full flavored IPA with a lot of bitterness. Yes. This is the light beer out Troll of the out of the likes, crowd. Troll likes bitterness. Yeah. No, this it, is it, the light oh, beer out of the crowd. Bitterness. This is what we start with, right? This, right? So we can taste this. <laughs> right? He's insinuating. Do, 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 we can. Do we need a spittoon like that? Like oh that? no, no. That's, for, that's for wine people. Yeah. yeah. Should we have waters so I'm we can cleanse palates in between? If if you would like water or crackers or anything, if we were judging these rather than slurping and appreciating, then we might consider palate cleansing. But I'm not gonna. It is. Uh, it is amazing how 
with this much flavor, you expect a little bit more bitterness to it, but it's just not there. Mm-hmm. It, it's very on the low end. It's which... not part of the style. Mm-hmm. Not part of the style. I like it. Um, so just to get back to the whole certification thing, once I saw that there was a certification for this, I said, that's me, you know. And for me, a certification is merely a means to the end of the educational process. Not so much the certification, but the learning, the experience that it takes to get there. Yeah. So Cicerone now has four levels. When I started, it has three levels. Um, the first level, again, is oriented towards the serving side of things. It's online only, you know, 60 questions or so, costs 50 or 60 bucks. It's not proctored. You just learn the stuff, pass the questions, done. You get to be what they call a certified beer server, which is the first level in the Cicerone certification track. Next one is called a certified Cicerone. That's the one I got. I got my cert- my CBS in 2011, and I got my certified Cicerone in 2015. Since then, they've added an, an advanced Cicerone, which is just the one I took with uh, a little bit more rigor. And then the top, the creme de la creme, is the master Cicerone. So to put those various levels in context. So what level do you get magical powers? That's, <laughs> it takes magical powers to get the master Cicerone. Oh, okay. Yes. So right. they've been doing this in the since the ballpark, 2008 in the ballpark. Ray Daniels in the program and stuff. There's about almost... Um, there's 90,000 or so CBS. That's the first level, the online one. There's 1,500, 2,000 ballpark um, uh, certified Cicerones. There's, because the advanced Cicerone is brand new, it's only been in existence for a year and a half or two years, there's a, a, about 120 of those. Out of the number of years they've been given this exam, I don't know how many people sit for it. They do it every year, 15 or 20 people sit for it. The master has 18 people on the planet that are Master Cicerone. It's two days of intensive examination, written, oral interviews with industry experts, blind tastings, um, demonstration of food pairing. It is the top of the game when it comes to being... A, a, a lot, beer expert. A lot of this seems to coincide, in my <clears throat> mind, with the um, with, with the explosion of the, the the breweries, especially the the what I call the on-site breweries, restaurants, and you, you know, are, were they kind of going after then those servers, right, and say, yes, you know, and, and going after those yes. restaurant restaurant owners, brewery owners, saying, yes. send your people to us so we can better educate them on the beers that that you're serving. So he doesn't have that problem that he originally did. That's correct. That's kind yes. of what the market. But anyone, Absolutely. but anyone can be yeah, a part of the program. You don't need to be in in the business. You know, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't work in the beer industry yeah. at all. As much as I would love to. If anybody's listening, <laughs> let me contact, ask you this, contact GZ with the credentials you've earned, and I, and I say the word earned with respect because I know it was tough. I remember you telling me how hard it was to get through it. Would that qualify you for a? particular position in the beer industry like brewmaster junior brewmaster i mean does your certification equate to a, a, a standard in the beer industry as far as working goes yes and no 
it absolutely is a viable credential for working in the industry. But I've never brewed beer. The, the requirements for this particular certification don't include mm-hmm. having brewed beer. I understand the mechanics, the science, the process of brewing beer, ingredients, off flavors, all of those elements, but I've never put them into practice. So I couldn't walk into a into a hundred right. barrel brewery and make successfully make a batch. I wouldn't know. I would know where to start. I need to. I need to have grain, and I need to put it in there, and I need to add some <laughs> hot water. But you know, as far as how much grain and what the combination is, and how, and what the temperatures of water are, and how long it's going to sit, and what's my my hops going to be when I finally. You know, draw the wort off and put it in the kettle and blah. I don't know those details to that degree. That's a brewer. That's a brewmaster. But I am certainly qualified to learn to be a brewmaster. Okay. I probably know as much or more than than your regular starting level brewer. Not as much as somebody who's been a home brewer, though, because they've done those mechanics, right? Um but I have a, a more well-rounded uh, basis of knowledge that includes not just making beer, but beer history, beer styles, uh, off flavors, serving, storing, glassware, um, fear and, uh, beer and food pairing. All of those are elements of the Cicerone certification program. Uh-huh. There's a, there's another certification program called the Beer Judge Certification Program, BJCP. They have their own set of um, certification levels I'm not overly familiar with. It is entirely focused on the beers, the styles and the qualities of the beers. The Cicerone is more well-rounded. It is for a beer server. What are the things you need to know if you're serving beer in a restaurant, in a brew pub, what kind of beer is going to go with this hamburger? What on our beer list is going to go with this hamburger? Um, I don't know a lot about craft beer. What do you suggest? Well, what do you like to drink when you're not drinking beer? Right? Questions, leading questions to try and determine what a person's palate may. Yeah, no, it can be very frustrating, right? especially with all the different beer restaurants that we go into. And, you know, if they don't give a lot of information on their beer list and they might have a bunch, I still might want to know, you know, is this more malty or hoppy? Um, Exactly. You know, and oftentimes I don't feel like I'm getting quality information. Exactly. Uh, Almost always. And and, and so then it's like, okay, I'm I'm adventurous, so I'll just, you know, know, throw throw a dart at one and then... um, you know, see what they bring me. I'll e- either like it or not. But um, certainly, the the um, the more knowledgeable that server is, um, you know, the, the better the restaurant is, is going to be, and, and, and the better sure. experience you're going to have right, as right. a consumer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, next, what do we got for next uh, next um, beer? What do you, what should we do? I believe the breakfast porter is probably the next, without okay. having tasted it. I don't know how how big the flavor is on it. Pottoms up. Pottoms up. up, guys. These are sweet little goblets. Mm-hmm. You get mm. your nose right in there. Yep. This Sniff is first. not that big of a goblet. <laughs> <I'm>, I, I, <laughs> well, 
most of us can get our proboscis <laughs> in the glassware. So, so this is an imperial porter brewed with toasted coconut, my ear in here, cacao and coffee. But I don't get, and I'm disappointed. In what this was regard. that last thing you said? What was the last ingredient? Cacao. Coffee. Cacao. No. Cacao. 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 Cocoa. <laughs> is it spelled with an A or an O? It's an A. It Cacao. C. C. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. <laughs> it's it's cocoa. Um, I I personally like coconut beers, and there's not enough coconut in this beer for me. Okay, I, it, that was part of really where I wanted to pick your brain on the tasting because I don't feel like my taste buds are all that refined, and you know we taste a lot of beers and. They say whatever ingredients they have in them, um, you know, whether it's maple syrup or coconut or coffee beans and donuts, right? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we pancakes syrup, and then we don't really taste that. Mm-hmm. Is that oh, because yeah. you know? But I don't really taste, you know, the the pecans in my cab either, right? I yeah. mean, so I don't know if it's me or if it's just a, a lacking in in uh, the way the beer was put together um, or whatever other beverage it is. Because I'm going to go again for that coconut because I love coconut. And I thought it was interesting. I don't know how often you would have coconut in your breakfast. What? Maybe if you're a bunch of coconuts. (laughs) Maybe if you're in the Caribbean, you do. Yeah. So going back to the porter thing, is coconut a staple ingredient in porters? Oh, no. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. Oh, oh, this right. is a this is the way you said it. It almost sounded off. like that a coconut. Nope, nope, nope. Was no, a porter no. ingredient. None of, none of those in, ingredients in your stylistically correct porter, and I'm using the air quotes, right? Okay. Um, none of those ingredients are in regular porter. Okay. Yeah. Because right. we've only had one porter in the episodes we've done, and I don't remember it tasting like coconut. Nope, it shouldn't be. Yeah, this is a this is a you know a flavored beer. Their variation of porter to make it uh, more fun and interesting. That's all. But I I expect to taste some. If it says it on the can, I expect to taste some of it. And in my opinion, if if it doesn't, and correct me if I'm wrong, do any of you guys taste any coconut? I'm getting the coffee and the chocolate. Yeah, more, yeah. more coffee for me. That's what I'm picking up. I'm not okay. really getting it's a, coconut. It's a lingering aftertaste, too. That might be the coconut. That might be. So, so. <laughs> Another one. Not, not, that, not that they've failed, but it, you know, they, um, something about the combination or the ingredients they used didn't make it into the final product sufficiently for us to notice it. And yeah. they even have a coconut for the O on Porter, exactly. which would... Mm-hmm. Make you believe that this is going to be a coconutty beer, mm-hmm. but I, I don't. I don't taste coconut at all. No, it is a very tasty beer. It's flavorful. It's smooth. It's well made. It does have chocolate and coffee notes in it. That's mm-hmm. what I'm picking up mostly. That, uh, that makes it very tasty. But I'm I'm disappointed in it because I can't taste any coconut. I'm gonna cleanse my palate with our weakest beer. <laughs> exactly. Use the watery coffee. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> coffee really seems to be a very popular ingredient with mm-hmm. with uh, beer. Yes. Um, and going after the Starbucks crowd. Well, I, I I wonder is that a is it just a flavor that blends well with beer or is it meeting the demand that a lot of people want coffee flavored beer? I, I don't know. What's your take? I would say both. Mm-hmm. People like coffee. Coffee's a hell of an industry. Yeah. Right? 
uh, and it, in Seattle. Yes. <laughs> and uh, uh, it lends itself to combining well with flavors like like a porter. Think about this. When we did 12.5, you had a coffee blonde. No, I, that's and, what I and think. That's right yeah. to his point, saying that the coffee lends itself to different types of beer. And you bought that beer because you thought it was unique that they'd be going with coffee with a blonde beer, which normally you think coffee with a stout Correct. or something heavy. Yeah. You know, and that that was not a beer for me, but it was an interesting flavor to me. Right. It wasn't. <clears throat> right. You guys mentioned beer fl- or bean flicker. Yeah. In the last episode. Yeah. And it is a bestseller for those guys. Yeah. It is a, I think that's Odd Sides beer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, one of their top products because people like coffee. Yeah, because yeah, Big Wave people said like those flavors. he liked the, the bean flicker, but he didn't particularly care for the one that you'd gotten us. Yeah, he went mad on that. He went mad on it, but he said the bean flicker he liked much better. It was, it was a coffee mm-hmm. blonde. Yes. Yeah. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, where he had the bean flicker, I was there last night, and they didn't they didn't have it. They didn't have night. it, so, so I didn't get a, a chance to, to do a uh, a one day late comparison. I might need a straw. Can't get my nose in to drink this. You got to just lean way back there, Red. Okay, well then let's keep on moving on here, and then we'll just drink at will after we get through all uh, four of our flights. Um, uh, oh, we have found, uh, and I speak for we, but anyway, but I think we all agree because we even talked about it. Um, the royal we. Yeah, but we we talked about it l- last night with 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 Wave as well. Not last night, last podcast with with Wave. Oftentimes, we have to kind of let that beer sort of, you know, germate with us for a while before mm-hmm. we really determine whether we really like it or mm-hmm. really don't like it. You know, first sips can be deceiving. Is 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 that what you would say is, was part of the what what you learned through your certification process or or just observed by your Oh yeah, by just through own? personal experience, yeah. yeah. And uh, it, it, something that's uh, interesting about beer is that Flavor can change with temperature, mm-hmm. and also as you know the as you drink it, your uh, senses become a little bit more accommodating to the big. Flavors, right, I think that's what happens, and then yeah. you can discern some of the more subtleties because you are quote getting used to it. You're getting you used look, to the big. Flavors. You are articulated that. So much better than I might myself or others have tried to 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 communicate. Okay. Well, but, you know, we just say oh, it gets better the more you drink because you're, <laughs> you're catching a buzz. That, that. A lot of times we defer judgment to like half glass, uh-huh. but yeah, totally. you explain what <laughs> us deferring to half glass is going on. Uh, that, that you're getting conditioned yeah. to, yep. like you say, the yep. big flavors where you kind of like get past that and you start getting into the nuance of the beer. Exactly. Yes. Huh. That's an interesting way to think uh, about it. So, uh, so you you mentioned when we dis, when we chatted earlier about uh, uh, the unofficial rating scale for the show, so or the the podcast. So, well, we will 
weigh in at the end of the yeah, tasting? I, 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 I knew it would be a lot to remember, so I, I created a little grid here so okay. we can kind of check them off. And, okay. And um, maybe we'll remember what, what it was. But we have plenty, so we're not mm-hmm. going to – we shouldn't run out uh, well, of, I think of beer we should, tonight. I think we should try the uh, the, the uh, BIP, the, the Bourbon Imperial – Pumpkin, screaming right, pumpkin. So this one, this is the vintage, as you this put it. This is vintage. Yep. This is the this one is I've been most looking forward to. It's uh, oh, um, that's got a wild smell. Bottoms up. Bottoms, bottoms up. up. Bottoms up. Um, the aroma is really something definitely bourbon on it. Oh, the pumpkin comes little out strong. Little bit, too. Of, little bit of pumpkin and spice. Right. Small spices. That's <laughs> gonna, that's gonna, it's gonna come across so well in audio. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> but you know what? It, it wouldn't look you, any better on video. But you know, the reality is, a lot of our flavor comes oh, oh. from what we smell. You know, it, 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 it's kind of a cliche, the aspiration that uh, that wine drinkers or wine tasters do. You know, this the. the the swirling or slurping or whatever. Okay. The aspiration. Oh, aspiration. And I've been known to do that with my beers too, but it's kind of a kind of you know. Uh, well, we were ostentatious. I, I, I think we were. I don't know if we were aspirating a couple weeks ago or not. But uh, are you familiar with the physic? Physic in. It's a it's a device. It's a it's a beer pouring device that you put your can or bottle in mm-hmm. put a hose in it and then you pour it and it changes supposedly your can or bottle to a tap mm-hmm. now it's got this great mechanical sound to it but <laughs> i wonder is it really doing something to the beer or just, just sucking it up the what's hose? the point yeah what is what's the point what, i know we joked around that it was magic Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's magic. <laughs> no, no, but what did you call it though? It was called it the physic. I don't know. No, no, no. no. Yeah, he was put me on the spot here. No, it was like magic light or something like that. It's supposed to use sonic waves sonic, to, um, I guess, agitate it possibly, and it creates air bubbles and. It doesn't add carbonation. No, it's not carbonation. And um, but it does seem to open it up and give it more of a flavor. Be somewhere between pouring into a glass and from a tap. Okay. Not quite a tap, but it's in between. We did the taste test of right out of the bottle or the can or out of the physic. Okay. And it was a noticeable difference. It was, it was definitely we didn't. We didn't really, really wow, I'd like to try it. push the test by saying, okay, how's the physic comp- compared to if I pour it out of the bottle into the glass and then do glass by glass that that way. Okay. Because it just would have taken more work. I did my own scientific okay. um, experiment at home with it. And, yeah, there is a noticeable difference between all three. Oh, really? Yes. You see, Blatto is having a hard time with all the IPAs, because I love IPAs. And what that physic did, it basically smoothed it right out where the, the bitterness for him mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. so much more tolerable than... Just out of the can or the glass, I don't recall what it was in, and it was a noticeable difference. And I'm an IPA guy, and I even noticed the difference because yeah. I like the bitterness. That doesn't bother me normally, you know. Bring it on, but there was definitely a difference. So I. Yeah. But let's get back to this well, beer, and then we'll talk more about the. Okay. The, yeah. The yeah so what, is, what does everybody think of it? Me, I never would buy anything that said pumpkin, especially when it came to drinking. <laughs> but this is very enjoyable. 
um, there's a there's a creaminess to it. Uh, uh, it's now now again it's been sitting here you know for 20 minutes as we've been kibitzing. Mm. So it may have lost a little bit of its carbonation, but I don't know. Maybe it's not a heavily carbonated beer. And not all beers are carbonated the same amount. Correct. Right. I mean, there's nitro, which is a separate thing altogether. Correct. But sometimes I wonder if it's just the bottle, the pour, or how long it's sitting. But you're saying, no, some there are different levels of carbonation that you can... It's the brewer's prerogative to ensure that there's a, a specific level of carbonation. It's It's... And if, if I get too technical, stop me. My wife frequently tells me, TMI, that's enough. <laughs> stop talking about it. That's enough detail. You don't want my information dump. <laughs> um, but uh, it, the, the technical term is volumes per volume of CO2 dissolved in solution. And it ranges anywhere from uh, one and a half. Told you he was an expert. <laughs> one, and a, one and a half volumes to three or four, depending on the beer. The Scotch Ale is, that style tends to have a lower carbonation by intent. Um, the the light American pale lagers, they're all two and a half, three percent or so. I think the highest at the in the four range is the German wheat beers, the Hefeweiss oh, beers. Oh, really? That really, the intent is for them to throw a really big, rich, foamy head. Ah. And they heavily carbonate those styles to give that result. Yeah. So there's a range, and it depends on what the beer style is and what the brewer's, <laughs> brewer's intent is to be carbonated at a particular uh. point. Uh, and, there, and that's a pet peeve of mine because carbonation. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it a pet peeve? Well, carb, beer is supposed to be carbonated. It's not supposed to be flat. When I go to a restaurant and it costs money to waste beer, right? Yeah. If, the, if the glass is dirty or the, the balance in the draft system is off and it's p- blowing a lot of foam, foam is 25% beer. Uh-huh. And if their servers are doing nothing but pouring beer down the drain, they're wasting money. So a lot, some establishments will turn their pressures way down, undercarbonate their beer so that it flows without foaming, but you end up with uh, beer that isn't the way the brewer isn't the way the brewer expects it. And tends to be flattened under, and undercarbonated. And the on, on the bit here. Uh, would you agree? Do, do people, does everyone sort of agree that, that not as carbonated? I would have to agree it's on the lighter mm-hmm. carbonation side. Uh, you know, we, we didn't pour these in, in any manner to try and, you know, create a lot of head because they're, they're just flights. But there, I think there's a big carbonation difference between the yeah. heavy and yeah. still the, the mm-hmm. pumpkin. You know, what's yeah. interesting about this is, like I said, I would have never picked up anything that said pumpkin on it. But the bourbon slays the pumpkin. Oh, yeah. And so it makes the pumpkin just a light undernote to the bourbon. And so it's more enjoyable, in my opinion. First I had the pumpkin. Now I'm getting the bourbon. I'm getting, yeah, I'm in the same now, place. Now yeah. I'm getting the bourbon, and then you just kind of get the pumpkin afterwards. And so. it's, a, it's a kind of a fruity base and not so much pumpkin. Uh, but that is the, right, right after the first couple of sips. Not not nearly as much pumpkin. Exactly, um, and I don't know how much pumpkin uh, Dan actually puts in his in his beer. 
the fresh screaming pumpkin that you buy is very spicy. Cinnamon, nutmeg, clove, yeah. allspice. I get, I a, I get a little in. spice, in, especially on, in the aftertaste here. It's much um, more forward in the yeah. in a in a non vintage, and the non bourbon imperial uh, variety of it. Much spicier and um, more fruity from a I think a pumpkin perspective as well. So this is different. This is special. This is uh, you know this is a a. Uh, Special seasonal release out of Griffin Claw. Cool. Ah. Um, yeah. And it, it, it's a special release probably just for the fall. Is it vintage just because you've had it for a couple of months? <laughs> well, I, I bought it in 2016 when it came out. Oh, did they release it in 2018? I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. I got it. I got it. <laughs> he doesn't care. All right. yeah. No. I got this one. <laughs> Comes although, with a nice wax top. Although anyway. 2016 was not a good year. <laughs> we don't want to get into your personal problems, Brad. <laughs> it's not my personal problem. Oh, oh, I know what you're getting at. I'm like, I... <laughs> Pottoms up. Pottoms up. Pottoms up to that one. Yeah. Okay. And uh, we got one more here before we just start. Now, the best for last. Oh, so says Fred. This... And this just smells great. <laughs> the expert says it smells great. Mm. <laughs> you, you've taken this partial. as a personal competition, haven't it's you? It's a vendetta. <laughs> yeah, you're a bitch. Isn't it? IPA, IPA for vendetta. <laughs> <laughs> Makes no sense, but it works for me. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. With a double IPA. This is the double IPA. Double IPA from, um, uh, from Bell's, right? Bell's, yeah. Bell's, one of my favorite Lampshade, love it. All right, what makes it a double IPA versus a single IPA? I don't even know. Well, um... Doubles and two of the other beers we have that are Imperials, it's a, a, maybe the brewers have a specific distinction between the two, but in general, they are higher malt, richer, thicker flavors and mouthfeel, higher alcohol, and they tend to have to add other uh, stronger flavors like adding additional hops, or in the case of the breakfast porter, adding the chocolate and the cocoa and the and the uh, coconut in larger proportions to offset what tends to be a fairly significant sweetness in a double or an imperial from the malt. So you'll so, notice there's a, it seems to be a lot of sweetness or sugary richness to this on the palate. What, what I have learned between this and the Liberator, which was also a double, mm-hmm. I'm expecting them to be like double hoppy. And that's, that's that, the that case. was what I, I guessed. That right. That's what the, the, the layman would assume, especially if you're not familiar with IBUs, especially if they don't put them on the labels and there's so much more to it than just that. But I would have always stayed away from, you know, Dippas. <laughs> Because I'm thinking that they're juiced up IPAs in the IPA way, but they're really not. They're, in fact, the way you explained it, and maybe I misunderstood, more balanced in some respects. Well, the, everything, it's, it's balanced at a higher level of the scale. Okay. Right? So more of everything. R- cr- <laughs> crank it all up, uh, you know, a, a, a bit. You know, sometimes it's a little bit, sometimes it's significantly noticeable. There are some double IPAs that'll knock you on your ass, 
from a flavor perspective. Um, those may or may not be well balanced for people. Uh, Bell's Hop Slam is a very well balanced double IPA. I love after that. your heart. I love yeah. that beer. <laughs> Absolutely, only comes uh, out once a year. Um, Coonan's mm. has something they call uh, Drippa, which mm-hmm. is a very very popular what? beer. Double Rice IPA. Use, they use rice as an adjunct. It probably helps to drop some of the sweetness out of it. Rice as an adjunct. And, uh, <clears throat> but again, very well balanced, but really big, bold, in your face. Uh, Be- because but, I, I can but, tell. But very drinkable. With, with, with this beer and just like with the Liberator, those are IPAs that, you know, uh, suit my taste. Hmm. Yeah. Well, wasn't the Liberator the one we used with the um, Physic? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. Yep. So I, th- I was yep. thinking maybe, maybe that's why you were okay yeah. with it because of the Physic. But 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 again, I, I think it's probably a combination of both, right? But I think back at that, you know, the, the Brute IPA, um, <laughs> <laughs> which you know, it's still lingering. <laughs> So still aftertaste on that one? Yes, there's, a, there's an aftertaste. Brute. Does that mean anything? Absolutely. You? What is a brute? Uh, we, we had no idea. Brute is a brand. It's a bully is what it is. Brute's a, yeah, the brute squad. You are the brute squad. Well, we noticed that beer slapped you in the face with the first taste. Well, whose was it? Uh, Axel's. Axel's. From okay. Ferndale. Yep, I haven't had theirs. It's... It is the new trendy beer this year. Because the other ones weren't hoppy enough. Started, <laughs> they weren't bitter enough. Started started at a at a place in California. I can't remember the name of it off the, off the top of my head. I was just reading about it in the last couple of weeks. Um, it has 0% residual sugar. It is as dry from mm-hmm. a sugar perspective a beer as you can get. They actually, um, there's quite a variety of sugars in terms of what are chemically considered to be sugars. You know, there's maltose and fructose and lactose and all kinds of things. And the sugars that are derived from the, from the malt with the hot water can be any and all of those, right? Only some of those sugars are fermentable by yeast. Mm. They have their favorites. Some of them work better on certain types of sugars than others, depending on the... The, uh, the variety of yeast and so on and so forth. But they have a fairly limited palate for what kind of sugars they're going to eat to fart out CO2 and piss alcohol, right? Uh-huh. Um, what One way the, to put it. Yeah, that's, that's the process right there. <laughs> that's what they do. Sure, right. Yeah. I love them for that. <laughs> um, what they do with the brood IPAs is use a an added enzyme that breaks down these non-fermentable sugars into fermentables so that they're all fermented out. So it ferments entirely clean. Um, it changes the mouthfeel of the beer, which is dependent on some of those sugars. Like there's long chain sugar molecules called dextrins. It breaks them down so that, so that the yeast can eat it. Hmm. Um, so you, what you end up with is a bone dry beer. Um, it was, but uh-huh. they it, it because of there being no sugar to balance some of the other flavors. If you're if you're heavy handed with the hops, 
that might be one of those ones that you get hot hit in the face with a hot pad, a hot flower. Right? Yeah, right, right, right. Because I much. generally like dry. Too much. I, I like you know my vodka dry. I like mm-hmm. my scotch dry. Yep. <laughs> you know, dry red wines. Yeah, I like my wines dry. Yeah. But my beer, I don't know. Not, but not it wasn't so much. Dr- not, it wasn't necessarily the dryness as the other flavors that the yeah. zero degrees Play-Doh allowed yeah. you to. Can, can you to have? Taste. A, can you have a hundred IBU? Yes. Can you have over That's 100 IBUs? That's the theoretical limit, according to the... <laughs> and don't even get me started on hops and IBUs. That's a whole, that's a whole conversation. Let's just keep it simple. We need to go, we can go down. IBU is a calculation. Yeah. Right? The reality is... You just said don't get you started. The reality is hop, hops, started. Yeah. hops today are utilized in all aspects of the brewing yes, process. of course. Whereas when the IBU was formulated, this is my understanding and recollection of it, it was hops you threw into the boil kettle and end of story. And there was a calculation, theoretical calculation for it, how much you put in per, per batch of barrel. This is the theoretical extract of the, you know, the acid levels that create the bitterness into the solution, blah, blah, blah. Well, they put hops in everything at all times now. So it's, in, I don't believe the IBU is representative at all anymore. And bitterness is related to how much hops you're using, the type of hops you're using, when you're putting it in the beer, how long it's exposed. All of those are variables. What does IBU stand for again? International Bittering Units. Okay. All of that's a variable. So you think a lot of it's gotten lost. A lot of it has gotten lost. I mean, There's I, I, no clear, unequivocal indicator of the hop notes or the level of bitterness because hops go in everywhere now. Yeah. For the layman, I think it is a gauge. Yeah. I mean, I mean it, it, it at least gives me an idea of whether it it's, is, you know, a, a, it is a, reasonable a 60 gauge. or a 20. You know? Correct, yes. It um, is a reason. Like, we're looking at the We Have You, what did it say on here? 18, 13? Is this the one that had it? I don't think it, it does. Uh, Which one has it on the... Oh, no, oh. it was the BIP. It was the BIP. Yeah. So it's 13 IBUs. Did Was there any bitterness in it at all? Yeah, there was some, wasn't there? I mean, uh, not, not a lot. Not, not a lot. Palette. No, right. not very much. But, um, so it's a reasonable gauge, uh-huh. but there are, there. Mm-hmm. it's like two-hearted, Bell's two-hearted, which is fairly aggressively hopped. But I don't think it's an overly hoppy beer. Yeah. Not overly hoppy, not overly bitter to my palate. It is just so well made and so well balanced. But I don't get the impression that it's an overly hoppy beer. In spite of what the IBUs are, which are 70 or something, I think. Yeah. AGZ, don't worry. Be hoppy. I have to change (laughs) my license plate. No, no, it just came to me. I have not been waiting. You've been waiting. I've been watching my Twitter blow up. You've been waiting to fix that. No, I've been watching my Twitter blow up. Jim Jordan's Uh. getting his ass beat tonight. He is. I got a posse. Did Did you do a mention on it? A mention? Like, how does he know it's going? All those comments well, are directed at him. I, I answered him directly, and all these are people who are liking what I said. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. There's just likes. All right. All right. So now we've all had a chance <laughs> to try all four beers, and 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 get them to the bottom of their glasses. Let's kind of go around and uh, give us some ratings, so I can uh, post them on our various social media accounts. Let's start with the uh, uh, under the kilt. 
what was it? We heavy, whatever. Dragon mead under the kilt. All right, uh, Jeezy, you want to go for me, meh, or not for me? Uh, generally, this isn't one of my favorite styles, but I think Dragon Mead does a wonderful job with it, and this is a for me for. All for right, this, for this beer. Yes, <laughs> Grassy. Well, I think I'm going to say not for me. I think it left me a little. Okay, knobs. It left me a little <laughs> underwhelmed. <laughs> Well, that part's going to get cut out. <laughs> uh, 100% for me. Yes. All right. I, I, I got to go for me because it's really my kind of beer. All right. The Latitude 42 uh, Breakfast Porter. I know we all kind of thought that the coconut could have been a little bit more pronounced, but um, knobs? Not for me. Yeah. No. Too dark, too much coffee. Jeezy? Uh, Not really my style of beer. I'm going to have to go with... Uh, not for me either. I'm going to go meh because I appreciated the coffee and the chocolate, but it's looking for the coconut, and there was not a lovely bunch there. I'm going to go meh, too. I don't want to knock it because I didn't taste the coconut. It, it was okay. Um, Actually, you know. it changed me to a meh, too, because it's a nicely made beer, good flavors, in spite of the fact that I didn't taste the coconut. I think a, a, a tasty beer. You know... We'll get to the other two real quick, but you and I were talking prior to to podcast, and um, we were talking about the rating system and how we rate this because we don't want to say that it's a bad beer. Um, And you said some things that I thought were really kind of spot on in terms of the way that people all look at beer. That, you know, other than making a bad beer, there are no bad beers, right? I mean, that's kind of what you were saying. Yes, exactly. What exactly was it that you said? The not the macro beer part, right? Right. Both, both, <laughs> both, both. Actually, yeah. Yeah. but no. In general, uh, beer is uh, is is only opinion. Uh, there are beers that are made with flaws that are bad beers, mm-hmm. and that's what one of the things that the BJCP does is judges beers for whether they have bad traits as well as traits that are applied to a style or not. But in this kind of a scenario. Just because I don't like the flavor of a beer or it doesn't appeal to my palate doesn't make it a bad beer. Right. Uh, as long as the brewer knows what he's doing and it's flavorful and somebody appreciates it and he hasn't screwed it up with, with terrible off flavor somewhere, it's a good beer for some people and it's a bad beer for other people only because they don't like it or don't appreciate it or doesn't suit their palate. So I don't I, – I was pleased with your – it is a beer for me, or it's not a beer for me, or meh, I could go either way. Yeah. That's a very reasonable and unbiased rating system rather than saying, I think this is a crappy beer just because you don't like the flavor of it doesn't make it a crappy beer. Yeah. I mean, this might be a loaded question, but you don't consider yourself a beer snob. I try not to be a beer snob. <laughs> I, I don't, I, 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 like I was because saying earlier, like I don't want to be an like. evangelist, but I am a beer mm-hmm. advocate a fan, a connoisseur, and an educator. Here, here's the way I would describe whether you're a beer snob or not a beer snob. If there are more beers you dislike than like, then you're a snob. If there are more beers that you like than dislike, you cannot be a snob. <laughs> Fair enough? Well, snobbery, I think, has to do with the connotation of 
what do you mean you don't like that? <laughs> Are you crazy? That's the best beer in the world. You're an idiot if you don't like that beer. Um, well, it's not about that. That's yeah. that's the bias, and that's the just because you happen to love it and somebody else doesn't. That's the snobbiness that I kind of find. Um, we get, we have to go get some founders KBS. Fortunate, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that the the the, the that's what's now, good. Now, but now, now that's the standard for beer snobbery in Michigan is the Founders KBS. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it's a lost it's lost some of its polish, I think. But. You still got to get a lottery ticket. Yeah. All right, uh, back to our um, yeah, ratings. Ratings. Okay, on the uh, on the BIP, which was the, um, the 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 Pumpkin Imperial. Uh, again, I'm gonna go not for me. I think there was too much going on. Mm. I was confused when I was drinking. <laughs> no comment. What do you think? GZ? I, I'm going to have to go with a meh, mainly because I'm not a big bourbon-style beer fan. But for being a vintage, it is very smooth, very flavorful, and uh, I think a good tasting beer, even if it doesn't suit my palate. Well, I liked it much more than I thought I would once the bourbon overtook the Mm -hmm. pumpkin. I don't think, putting myself in that position at the bar, that I would order a second one, but I'm not repelled by it. So I'm going to be probably not for me leaning towards Matt. You know, we don't have I mean, that rating. So, well, <laughs> normally, in any men. other circumstance, <laughs> I would be one hundred percent. If I saw a pumpkin on a beer, you would, you would not. Bottoms up, nubs. <laughs> this has at least got me in that arena where it's like I can appreciate what it is, but I'm not going to order another one. Yeah, it's not a beer you're going to leave on the table, no, or pour down the drain, no. So that's definitely not a not for me. That's a uh, meth for me. Uh, yeah, we we got that. I have already. my own rating system. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we missed that. <laughs> he uh, talked right through. I'm, that. Gonna, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go go for me on on that. I just thought it was really different and unique. And if I was in the right mood, you know, if I'm say up in Traverse City on the fall trip, you know, to check out the leaves, um, you know, walking into to. to you know, a little brew pub there. If they've got it on tap, I could certainly see myself saying, hey, I remember that beer, and it's delicious. And then uh, lastly, we got Lampshade, the uh, um, the candidate for label of the year. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost tattoo-worthy. Okay, let's, let's, start, uh, let's start with you, uh, Fred. You know my answer. Yeah, you're all for it. I'm all for you're it. You're in. Uh, for me, 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 I'm me. In, I'm in. <laughs> Triple me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeezy? Double me. Ha. You beat ha. me to it. Yeah. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> Again, it doesn't make it for for, for audio. But, uh, oh, made for everyone food. drink. He, 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 he just bottoms bot- up. Bottoms, bottoms up. up. Everyone just, drink for that one. <laughs> just, we will enjoy it for ourselves. No one else knows what just happened. Nav just bounced <laughs> a bottle cap off of our tablecloth. Which has a blanket. Which, no, it's our tablecloth. It's oh, our well. Detroit Lions tablecloth. And then off the tablecloth into uh, one of our mini pints. He was that incredulous. Mm-hmm. And it was more like throwing in the towel. When he yeah, it was. It. Like, Dang, you beat me to that joke. <laughs> uh, okay, so then uh, G. For me, yep, that's definitely, uh, I'm a hophead, and it's, it's very well made. Great hops, liked it a lot. 
you're going to go for me then yeah, too? Because the way that uh, I don't know. See, I'm in the stuck between the I'm, I'm the four me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really stuck between the four me because as IPAs go, I really enjoyed it. Would I order it again? You know, one of the things that I always try and stay away from, GZ, is comparing, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, but it's difficult for me. I want to always just say, hey, co but co compared to other beers on the menu, I'd rather have that. But I'm, I'm going to go for me. We're going to make it a clean sweep on that. Wow. And, and that would, that's Way to go, the, Bells. I'll call uh, Larry tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and now, Fred, you're, you're, the, you're the big wiener tonight. <laughs> a sweep of four me's on the beer you brought. Huh? Yeah. Hey, there you go. Man. See? It's a lampshade. Uh, so, since you've been keeping track, have you noticed that uh, our number one brewery in terms of taste mm. is Bell's? By far. So, I, I, I thought um, we, we probably ought to spend a little time talking about the, uh, the craft brew industry. Um, along with our expert of tasting, I'm sure, GZ, you put a lot of time and thought into just, you know, what's happening in the craft beer uh, movement. Um, it is a fascinating. I mean, if this is the cultural part of our show, um, if if the last one was political, huh? I don't know. <laughs> um, but it is a it is a really a fascinating industry because of its explosive growth in some areas, um, and that growth has. Uh, I, I think this is in some ways been uniquely American, and now it has really spread out. I hear more about craft brews and craft beers, you know, pop, popping up all over the EU and, you know, who knows elsewhere, you know, South America. They had their big breweries, of course, but, um, and I, I don't want, know that it is, but just from a little bit of research I've done, it seems like America is really driving the craft beer brew industry, and um, we're at one of those epicenters. M Michigan is, is really hot on it. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, absolutely. The the explosive growth is a very indicative term. <clears throat> Just to uh, refer to some of my history here. We like stats. We do <clears throat> like stats yep. here so, at uh, Bottoms so Up. Pre, Pre-prohibition, the... Oh, that's now we're having a lot of stats. The, the, <laughs> Prohibition. The highest number of breweries, licensed producing breweries in the United States... It, in 1873, was 4,131 breweries. This was 1873, prior to Prohibition. Prohibition annihilated the brewing industry. Mm -hmm. um, but we still managed, post-Prohibition, to have a fair number of breweries come back. I don't know that number, unfortunately. Uh, we were as low as 44 wow. in the late 70s. For the nation? For the nation. It was a lot of consolidation. It was a lot of washing out. We were 44 licensed breweries <sighs> in well, the nation you in think the late about, you, you think about any particular industry, 44 people in that industry might be almost average, right? I mean, I don't know how many steel makers there were. You know, in, in, there were only these three or four You're talking makers. breweries in general? or Producing commercial oh, breweries wow. licensed. You know, before. I mean, the craft beer for you to be a commercial brewer in the United States, there's a boatload of licensing and taxes that need to be paid. Yeah. So they keep very, very close track of who's brewing and how much they're brewing because they need to get their tax revenue. Right? 
Um, so they, they keep good records in that regard. Um, by the end of October last year, we had exceeded 7,000 yeah. operational breweries in the United States, which is phenomenal. From 44 in the 70s to over 7,000 now, well, you, you we basically exceeded the 4,131 in 2015. So... Uh, so uh... What is that? Uh, just like an average per state, right? I mean, you're you're, you're talking uh, seven thousand divided by fifty. I don't do math, so uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's what calculators were invented for. Don't look at me. Eighty, at least eighty breweries per state in that ballpark, right? right? Yeah. yeah. So oh, yeah. Like that. Um, so Michigan, and as you said, Michigan is is in the epicenter of it all. We're anywhere, depending on the, on the year and who's counting and what list, we're anywhere from 6th or 7th in the nation in terms of overall number of breweries. The last official number I saw from 2017 on the USA Today list was, um, no, maybe it wasn't the USA Today. We were 4th. Well, what I saw was um, Forbes or USA Today, one of the two. Well, well, well Forbes <clears throat> really seems to like Michigan breweries. Okay, I, I don't know who their writer is particularly for that, but they did a whole uh, a whole story on the top ten breweries in Michigan. Okay, cool. so this was a national pub- publication that thought that there was enough good breweries in Michigan just to list. Here's the top 10 breweries just in that one state. So shout out to Forbes. Um, you mentioned fourth. In total breweries, it could be difficult. I, I don't know where Michigan uh, lands, but uh, on Thrillist, uh, Thrillist.com. They did have a list too. They ranked Michigan fourth in like best states for craft beers. And when you look at the company that we're in, one, two, and three were California, Oregon, and Colorado. And those are really strong beer states. <laughs> That's And I think that list is number of breweries. Uh, I believe it is number of This breweries. was just sort of more subjective. Yeah. You know what's another interesting thing about those states? Very progressive states. Yes. Is there a correlation? Uh, well, we weren't so progressive, member, in 2016. <laughs> but normally, Michigan is more. That should be, be yes. Should that, be, yeah. that would be an interesting yeah. element to yeah. investigate. Think about that, though. Sure. California, Oregon, and Colorado, yeah. very progressive states. So back to the political bent, Yeah, maybe there's correlation. The, the other thing that, that um, I, I wanted to kind of find a little bit more about was um, how, how does the craft beer industry compare to other industries in the U.S. Uh, as term, in terms of uh, being a part of the growing economy, right? I mean, our... And it, it was a little bit difficult to find information, um, but uh, beverage manufacturing. So that includes the, you know, coffee and uh, what's the, the power drinks? What do you call those things? The I don't know. Red uh, Bulls from Michigan. No, energy drinks. Energy drinks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that that the whole beverage industry, but craft beers are a huge part of it was the third fastest growing industry in the United States. So it didn't really break out malt beverages and, and beer in that way, but uh, uh, in, uh, in, in, from 2016 to 2017, whatever it was, uh, this was a USA Sageworks slash Forbes 
uh, information, so you can look that up. 17.1% uh, growth in the uh, beverage industry in U.S. And like I said craft beers were mentioned as a, as a key component of that. So it really is an amazing industry to be a part of. That's an impressive number, um, for sure. What 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 kind of changed and what's what's happening in the craft beer industry is sort of the 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 pie of craft beers is getting sliced differently than what it was before, because micros have turned into minis that have turned into regionals that have turned into nationals, you know, and there's lots of these micro breweries out there. And then what qualifies as a, as a regional, you know, um, uh, I, I don't know, uh, GZ, what your thoughts are on, you know, what's a regional brewery and what's a, you know, and does that matter? Like, you know, founders is probably a regional brewery, right? For you, sure. you, you yeah. can find yep. founders, uh, uh, just about anywhere in the U.S., but certainly in the Midwest. That term is a little bit indeterminate mm -hmm. and open to interpretation. I don't think it is a legal term. There are a couple of different uh, categories of terminology for brewers. One of the most important ones is what are the license names in a state, in a particular state. So based on volume... Bells and Founders are breweries in Michigan. Oh, okay. Versus a microbrewery or a nanobrewery or a brew yeah. pub, any of these other license designations, they are breweries. They're not a brewery in the eyes of the Brewers Association, which is the nonprofit advocacy organization for craft brewers. They stipulate what a craft brewer definition is in in their terms, because you get to be a part of the Brewers Association if you're a craft brewer. If you're a macro brewer, I think their organization is the Brewing In Institute. I don't know if that for sure. I believe that's the, the name of the place. Uh, Brewers Association? Brewers Association is the is the uh, craft brewer oh, okay. organization. Yeah. yeah. Um, so up to 6 million barrels a year having... Um, less than 25% external ownership and also having used to be traditional was a requirement as well, but they're opening that definition up. They've eased it in 2017, 2018. Um, more it's a, it's, it's about having, you have an officially recognized TTP. Um, that's the tax and tobacco bureau licensing organization. Uh, somebody recognized yeah, that as was affected during the shutdown, by the by way. Them. Yes, yes, <laughs> for sure. I mean, one of the things that people don't realize is every one of these labels and names is approved by the federal, the government. federal government. Yes. You can't put it on a bottle and sell it <laughs> unless they approve it. Uh, what about so, that label we recently had? Was that approved? Now, what's... When we peeled off? Oh, yeah, oh, right, the sticker. <laughs> the um, sticker. One of the, one of the other co co cool things is... For the last few years, overall beer consumption and shipment of beers across the board has been decreasing. It's been flat the last mm -hmm. two years, 1%, 1.2%. Um, for the last, basically, decade, craft beer has been increasing, right. double digits. 
In 2017, they had tw around 23.5% of the overall beer market. In 2018, they're estimating 20 up maybe up to 25%. So in spite of the fact that the majority of beer consumption is flattening and or decreasing, craft beer consumption is the, the share of craft beer in the entire beer market is increasing. Right. has been and continues to increase. Yeah. And the craft beer market, according to your Atlantic article, did increase, I think, 7 or 8% last year. Used to do double digits for the last 6 to 8 to 10 years. But still, 8% year-over-year growth. For sure. That's huge. Yeah. I wish I could get... Um, my investment returns at that level, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's solid. Uh, you know, for a while there, I think, or just a couple of years ago, it seemed like the the, the big U.S. or the, the, the mega breweries were buying up some of the craft guys, you know, oh, yeah. the Lion Kugels and the... Uh, you know, whatever. But I don't know that they've been able to keep up with that. I haven't heard as much about that. There's so many cat craft breweries out there. I, I don't know that, you know, that, that the Miller Lite and the Coors organizations of the world can really even pick and choose who they want to, 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 to gobble up. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's a very fragmented <clears throat> industry right now. What they're depending on, though, is the sale of Pilsner's. <laughs> and a pilsner is a what? I don't know. Ask him. Wait, we'll, He's we'll the get answer. into that. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, you, you raise a really, really good point. And if you can't beat them any other way, join you, them. You join them, and you buy other breweries who make craft beer, and add that to your bottom line. Anheuser Busch has done that very, very well. Uh, Miller Coors has done that very well. Uh, Anheuser-Busch owns 10 craft labels that they bought, microbreweries. But see, that's not very many. I mean, that's not going to put a big dent in the craft beer industry, right? Get a little statistic for you. Stats, right? stat man. Yep. Michigan, Michigan Beer Guide, Bible of the Michigan Beer Industry, mm -hmm. Rex Halfpenny's awesome. These are free at beer stores. Pick one up. Informative. Has the entire Shameless list. Plug. Has the entire list of all of the breweries in Michigan currently selling uh, beers. What's and the number? 377 as of of uh, December. As of this this November, November, <laughs> December guide 377. As we were looking up statistics on Michigan beer, um, that number was changing all over the place. I mean, like, oh, oh I, every list that we looked at had a different number. Absolutely. Wikipedia list 44. From 41. From That's Michigan. ridiculous. I know. Yeah. Somebody, yeah. Somebody needs to edit that page. I made the comment we so, could walk to forty-one from here at yes. any given time. Yes. So the stat I wanted to Dragon I wanted to throw at you: the no. technically the largest producer of craft beer in America, according to the Chicago Tribune, August 9th, twenty eighteen, is AB Bev Anheuser Busch, yeah. Anheuser Busch, because they bought ten craft breweries between twenty eleven and twenty seventeen. In What's terms so notable? of Pardon? Is there a notable? Notable what? Brewery they bought. Goose Island is one of oh, them. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know. Yep. So, That's so why I asked. You, yep. you also um, get the definition of then what's a craft brewery, right? It, I mean, wait, wait, yep. We, and I talked about that, what the do they Brewers Association considers to be a craft brewery. Because Anheuser-Busch owns them, they're no longer a craft brewery. Oh. Neither is Founders because they sold 
over 25% of their stake to, I think that's Spanish holding company or something, if, if I re- recall correctly. Fact check. I don't remember. So dollar sales, AB sales of their 10 craft dish uh-huh. is $107.3 million. And Sierra Nevada's, which is an official, an official craft brewery, was a hundred point seven million, and fan. Boston beer is ninety four point four. So, wait, wait, is, is is Boston and Sierra considered craft? Yes, they are. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. because they're under six million barrels a year, and they are wholly owned. Oh, okay. Yep, six million. That's uh... six million barrels of beer, and they're wholly owned. That's the current definition according according to the Brewers Association, which is the the uh, representatives of the craft market so they're technically not all all 10 of those ab and bev brewers are no longer craft in the eyes of the brewers association Mm. they aren't independent and they're owned by a ginormous um multinational right but of those 10 they sold 107 million dollars of beer compared to sierra's 100 million bottoms up Bottoms up. I'm not drinking to that. Sorry. That's a depressing story. I just want a bottoms up so that's I can a, drink. It's, it's a, been a hot minute. So that's, that's, a, that's a depressing stat for me. Sorry. It wasn't over the stat. You, you know, uh, uh, Fred, you had mentioned that we could walk to 41 breweries. Yes, we could. Uh, did you hear about the gal that went to all Michigan breweries? Yes. Only because you shared the article with me. Ah, yes, yes, I did. 342. Uh Emily Bennett. And, uh, That's you know, an amazing story, actually. Uh, maybe we're going to have to have her on the show sometime. You know? Oh, I'm sure she'll come on into uh, the one-shot studio. and <laughs> She might. Uh, you never know until you ask. Just have right? to ask. That's right. Yep. We're putting the word out. Emily? <laughs> Go ahead. There's a chair here for you. Find her on Twitter. Uh, the, the other thing that I found in doing a little bit of research on the industry, especially as it pertains to Michigan, because that's where we're based and we do like to support our local businesses. Mm. Um, although we won't talk about who drives a foreign car. Um, is I don't see what that matters. <laughs> All three. <laughs> it's just something to say. Uh, well, the organizations that I found of Michigan Brewers, and uh, uh, you know, I think that's something that we're going to have to look into, and bottoms up be a part of these organizations, these these Michigan craft beer organizations. In fact, what I liked about doing a little bit of this research into the uh, Michigan craft beer industry was how the state of Michigan has really uh, embraced it and supported mm-hmm. it. Absolutely, yep. there, there, there's a Pure Michigan is the is the is the dot gov kind of. Uh, Slogan, right? I mean, for Michigan, mm-hmm. there's a there, there's a pure Michigan dot gov slash beer page. Hmm. Um, so they really uh, embrace the whole idea of craft beers in Michigan. So I think we're kind of fortunate on that. Uh, so what did you hand me here? Brewers, the Brewers Association list from 2017 shows Michigan at number four in terms of uh, number number of, of breweries. number of breweries at 340, and we know there's more than that now. Yeah. So. 
So, and, but, I mean, of course, we're, we're, we're never going to get to California because that's... That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous, right. So what, uh, what's that number they have in there? And in, in, in uh, 764. I think they're over 900 now. Yeah, Yikes. of course. And then Washington and Colorado uh, both have more land mass than we do. Yes. So, um, now, a set of numbers that I did not bring, you can look it up if you want. Uh, a, a different rating that I just saw recently is breweries per capita. Oh, so density of breweries per population. Colorado and Oregon probably still would beat us. Guess the number one in the nation. Vermont. Are you hit it first time? <laughs> I never, oh, I never would have, I never would have expected that. Vermont. Yeah, because eighty-eight because, breweries per million people. Because I, I, because I know Vermont is high on the list of. Of favorite beer places, like I was telling you, my my list was not number of breweries. It was it was it was best beer states. I know Vermont was on that list. So Vermont in the <laughs> in the number of according to Brewers Association by state for 2017, Vermont was number 31 with 55 breweries in the state. But considering it's so small, yeah. it's such a small population compared to the number of breweries, right. and we're still probably going to be four or five. They we were recently at 20, had we were Vermont, at 28. Carpenter. Really, 28. I mean, 28. We were in the top 15. We weren't in the top 10, but we had 28 breweries per million. Yeah. I mean, I could see, again, Colorado and Oregon. Uh, I suppose we have more people than Washington State. Probably. Yeah. Right? Uh, you know, but, hmm, interesting. Um, so, uh, as we kind of, you know, got to fade out of here. Um, Jeezy, where, where do you see, what do you see as the trend? I mean, I, I, I mentioned, you know, the, it seemed like the trend was the big, the big guys were gobbling up the little guys. I don't see that as much anymore. Um, you know, do you see the trend being more the nano brewery, the onsite, you, you know, the combo restaurant, you know, where, where, where do you see this, the, the craft beer industry going, uh, I I honestly hope that we are resurrecting the social construct of the neighborhood bar slash brewery. It used to be that way. Mm-hmm. Used to you used to go to the local watering hole that Prior had your to local prohibition. That when had, we had, had how many local, how many breweries did we have? In 40, Forty over four thousand breweries. There was one in every neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Right? Back in the day when we were less um, distributed as we are today uh-huh. in terms of population centers and stuff. Uh-huh. You went to your neighborhood brewery slash beer hall and brought home a bucket of beer, right? That's how you got your beer home. Yeah. So I think it's going to be I think there's a lot of room for growth yet, but those who are uh, opening places in small towns like the the um, Luddingtons and the Clares and the yeah. the Gaylords and stuff like that, the the smaller and potentially non-touristy towns, um, they have to cultivate cultivate their local market, make friends. Participate in the social activities in the, you know, one of the people that do it the best is Shorts Brewing in Bel Air. They have a huge, it's a tiny little town. Mm -hmm. Right. They own half of the storefronts now with the brewery. Yep. Mm -hmm. And the tap room. And they have a huge party every year, free party, invite all your neighbors, you know. Um, That's 
taking care of your community and cultivating the camaraderie yes. of, of a local watering hole that family and friends are welcome. That's that's important to our growth. It's not the bells and the founders. Not that they don't make bad beer, not that they're ever gonna go away, hopefully. Not gonna uh, whatever it is. Whatever. Polyurethane. Um yep. But the 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 continued growth in our industry is quality beer that people um, want to drink in a friendly and welcoming environment from from brewmasters and and uh, brewery owners who care <clears throat> about their customers and the people and their neighbors. Yeah. With, with all that you've just said, I don't see how this could ever stop growing because exactly. all those things to me are socially pleasing and nothing but positive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. So that's my two cents. Absolutely. Support your local brewer. Absolutely. The only reason they're going to, the only way they are going to stay viable and in existence is for you to go be a customer. And we do. Absolutely. Drink every, Michigan every beer. Week. All right. Yeah, Michigan beer. And with that, All right. we'll say bottoms, bottoms, up. Up. bottoms up. Bottoms up. Out. Out. Cause baby, I hate you. Cause baby, I hate you. Cause baby.